podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Miller, lovely cushion header. But you are beauty! What a headshot! What a head! The time to Luis Garcia. Tries his luck. Hello everyone, and yes, that music can mean only one thing. Uh, Clichés aside, this really is business end of the tournament. The Champions League is back. Liverpool are in the quarterfinals, facing quite familiar opposition. It's Porto. Uh, We faced them last year, so uh, I got along a couple of great guests. Uh, First up, a guy that we spoke to last year, actually, ahead of that um, first day's knockout phase. Uh, is Jamie Farr, a football analyst for Football Radar, uh, football radar even. Uh, Jamie, welcome along to the show. I'm going to have a lot of cheer here because it's yourself and Jay, so we've said I- I'm going to be tripping over names as we go through this. No worries, yeah. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, like I said, we, you know, we, it was just over a year ago we spoke, wasn't it? Um I guess it didn't quite go the way we'd anticipated in that one, but uh, you think uh, we're in for a closer affair this count uh, this time round? Uh, yeah, I think um, yeah, I think you're right. D- despite the the obvious uh, gaps between the teams, I think we I think we did think it would be a bit closer than last year, and that uh, that first leg took a few people by surprise. And um, yeah, in theory, <laughs> it could be closer, but then again. Uh, you know the, the 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 way Liverpool have been uh, playing uh, on these uh, these European occasions. Uh, you know they're going to be pretty difficult to stop. I think. Yeah, there's plenty to discuss. And taking things from the Liverpool side of things, it's uh, Anfield Index's own Jay Reid. And Jay, see, I nearly called you by your Sunday name there. Nearly, nearly. I'm not quite <laughs> in trouble just yet, am I? So. <laughs> no, I might be. Depending on how the pod goes, you might go from Andy to Andrew. Maybe is that what it is? <laughs> Oh, right. Okay, it's going to be like that, is it? Oh, play, playing dirty. What tactics already? Uh, yeah, all good, though. Uh, looking forward to getting back into the Champions League uh, action again next week. So, should be an interesting game and interesting discussion we've got coming up. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, isn't it? You know, from obviously we. We're so in, in, entrenched in, in this the, the Premier League title race, and there's so much drama behind it, and there's so much riding on it that um, it's. It's strange. It's almost like a, a different sensation that the Champions League has become a welcome distraction rather than uh, something we can really focus on and uh, give us hope for a trophy. Yeah, well, take it back 12 months and the Champions League was basically the be-all and end-all of our season. It's what we all wanted and we were wishing away the league games to get to the Champions League weeks where at the moment we've got a welcome distraction of being in the Champions League and a chance to win another trophy. Uh, being involved in to at this late stage of the season is fantastic. I've never experienced it. Uh, not a not such a magnitude of such big trophies. So it's, it's great to be involved and uh, hopefully we come up with a, at least one. At least one. Yeah, at least one, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to all that. So, uh, Jamie, just coming across to yourself then, 
what what was the reaction to, to the draw then uh, in Portugal? Because obviously, like we said, you know, these two teams faced off last year. Obviously, that was the, the first knockout phase last year. And it was pretty much done and dusted at the end of the first leg, I think. It was a, a lot of surprise, was it, in, in the way that first game last went last year? Um, how, was, how was the draw sort of taken? Because obviously over this side, people were sort of seeing Porto or, or Ajax as the preferred option. And no disrespect for them two teams, but uh, looking at the, the, the calibre of uh, opposition elsewhere in the draw... You know that that was that were the, they were the two teams that people were hoping for. But what was the reaction uh, like in Porto? Was it was it uh, kind of dread that oh no facing this team again, or was it um, here's an opportunity to uh, to get a bit of revenge? Uh, yeah, well that's it's an interesting question because I think um, it was a bit mixed, but I think it was you know a, a fair chunk of the latter. You know to to really try and um, not so much you know. Um, uh, Game revenge, but I think last season there was a real feeling that um, uh, Porto didn't show what they were capable of, um, and I think you know the, the, this is a, an, an interesting chance to you know have, have a second go at it sort of thing. I don't think um, you know I think the fans are are quite realistic about it, even you know despite Porto's um, you know very strong European pedigree. I think it's you know, it's pretty clear that Liverpool are, are, are favourites by quite a way, but I think it's I think there's a, a strong notion of um, wanting to do themselves justice because, as we say, that 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 first leg last year where was was a disaster and, and got away from them so quickly. You know, the game the, the game and, and the tie uh, was was over really before Porto could get into the game. Um, so yeah, I think there's a feeling of, uh, you know, it's a mixed feeling where, you know, that there's no real expectation to to progress, but um, really try and make amends in terms of the performance and and, and make it a contest, which it it really wasn't at, at any uh, realistic stage last year. Yeah, and that can be, you know, can be such a dangerous thing for 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 the team that's seen as the favourite. Here, you know, coming up against an underdog, who a team that's got effectively has got nothing to lose. So, mm. you say there's there's real motivation there for Porto, isn't there? Yeah, I think so. And you know, uh, as as I say, well, whilst you know, there's certain um, elements of how you know European football, the, the the real superpowers have have started to drift away from. Uh, the smaller leagues, if you like, like like France and and, and Portugal and, and Holland, um, Porto still do have a very you know very proud and relatively recent um, European pedigree. So there's desire to do well in the competition itself. You know they've done in, did, they've done very well to get to this point. And yeah, you know I think they they don't want to lie down and and uh, like they did last year, unfortunately, um, and just really. Just, just compete with Liverpool because I think that's, you know, that's what we were discussing. I was discussing with you last uh, season, is that while the while the, the goal from quality is, is quite obvious, you know, a team like Porto, that they should at least be competing with with Liverpool, and and giving them a really good game and making them work uh, to progress, and, that, and that's something that just never happened at any stage last season. Mm. Uh, and Jay. What about your reaction to the draw then? Because, as I mentioned, you know, 
you know, without any disrespect to Porto and to Ajax, they were the two teams that uh, the big clubs, so to speak, were, were hoping to get. Um, you happy with the draw, but um, thinking that in the back of your mind, this is also a potential banana skin? Yeah, well, first off, I mean, the draw, we, we couldn't have asked for anything better in terms of who we got. The only thing we could have asked even more for is the home ties to be the second leg, but we, we can't grumble at all because look at the, some of the big teams that were knocking around in the draw and some of the mega ties that did actually get drawn out. We did dodge a bullet. Um, looking uh, further down the line, we we get potentially Barcelona or Manchester United. I mean, anyone would have loved to get them two teams, especially in the situation, the way that draw will forward, the second leg being at home. So if we are to progress, looking further down the line, we've got a lot to look forward to. Um, coming from Porto's point of view, yeah, they, they are a potential banana skin. Portuguese league, as we know, isn't overly as competitive as other leagues across Europe, but they are in a, a competition competition with Benfica for the league title as they always are and looking across the recent results across the past few weeks then they've hit a little bit of form um, not to be sniffed at so you can't really discount them as somebody who isn't a potential banana skin and they, they do score goals and they would have learned a lot from the, the, the tie last year which obviously gives them maybe a small advantage on how to prepare for Liverpool but then we are also a different proposition to what we were last year. We're not the gung-ho, all-attacking side that we were. I think we're a bit more professional, um, a bit more forward in our work and a bit more clinical in our attack as well. So it'll be an interesting sign, on, sign on the least, really. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Yeah, we, we, we are looking at a very different tie to, to what we were looking at last year. Um, so, Jamie... Porto's route through to this quarter-final stage then, I mean, for the simple fact that, that Porto got past Roma in the, the first knockout phase, they absolutely cannot be discounted and you know cannot afford to look past them. But, but what about the group stages? Because looking at it, you know, they finished top of the group, a very impressive record. Was it, was it as good as it, uh, as it looks on paper? Uh, I think so, really. I, th- I think, yeah, you're right. I think it was re- very impressive um, to to get the record they did in that group. I think very much uh, in the way they did last year, Porto ended up in a, um, a very evenly matched group without uh, any necessarily a, a standout team. One of those groups where you know you almost think any any one of those teams could have finished in any position in the group. Um, which in many ways, you know, can can make it harder than having, you know, one big team or two big teams and one minnow, you know, that you can guarantee for, for for points as such. So they had they were the you know they were forced to work in work for every point they got, barring barring the last game in which they'd already uh, already qualified and they won that game anyway. Um, so yeah, that was very impressive. Then the way they made their way through that. Um, and yeah, uh, it's interesting, you know, progressing past Roma, who obviously did extremely well getting to the semi-finals last year. Um, I think they kind of got Roma at a good time because I think they're struggling domestically. Uh, I think they sacked their manager after after losing to Porto as well. But um, it's an interesting point with with Roma, uh, and in terms of how Porto received because it was uh, it was quite well documented that. 
a lot of Roma fans uh, celebrated getting Porto in the draw, um, which is, you know, often one of those things that comes back to bite you. And so, uh, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sign that the Porto shouldn't be underestimated. And, um, you know, they've only lost one match in the tournament so far. Um, and yeah, I think, I think Champions League wise, they've definitely got momentum because, you know, they were, as you'd imagine, they were ecstatic to, to get past Roma in the last 16. So, and, um, as Jay said, the, the, the domestically, the form has improved as well, uh, in recent matches. So momentum wise, in terms of results and performances, um, they're going into it in, in pretty good shape, I'd say. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very uh, impressive, impressive passage through. Uh, and Jay, from the Liverpool perspective, then um, the last round, getting past Bayern, um, it's certainly not to be sniffed at. <clears throat> Despite the fact that um, there's no two ways around it, you know, Bayern are not quite the force that they were, and I, I was kind of struck by by the by the tactics of uh, of Nico Kovac. Uh, not so much in the first leg, because I think that was understandable to be away at Anfield to do what he did. But when they were at home, I really expected them to have to come out more. I expected them to be a bit more adventurous. But he seemed very, very reluctant. And and I thought I felt as though that kind of spoke volumes for how Liverpool are regarded in Europe at this stage now under under Klopp. And and then to you know to top that, the actual performance itself, I, I thought I, I thought there was so much uh, maturity. To it. it, it was. I, I found it really, really impressive. Uh, what, what about yourself then? I mean, to win it three-one at the Allianz, it's it's hard to ask for much more. Yeah, I, 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 I would be honest with you. I didn't expect us to go there and get such a result. I had us down personally as maybe a score draw and getting three-one away goals at the Allianz because I mean I don't watch too much German football, but I do keep an eye on results uh, week by week. Um, I know yourself, you watch a lot more German football than most of us, so you are familiar with Bayern, and since the turn of the year, they have been a bit more like a steam engine. They've just powered three teams, and they've, they've chased down Dortmund in the, in the title race, so I was expecting a much tougher tie. Um, the home leg itself, you would say it was a professional performance from Bayern Munich, and they come to one field, they've done the job on us. I was very impressed with the way they, they contained us and they kept us pretty much at arm's length. So going the Allianz, we obviously expected a bit more of a of an onslaught, but it never seemed to come at any stage. I think they had about a 10-minute period after they got the, uh, the equaliser through. Obviously, it was an own goal, so we, they did come at us. But I think across the whole two legs, I think it was something they had three shots on target, which if you are Bayern Munich and the record and the, the status they have across Europe. That's that's a worrying statistic and it does show a newfound respect for Liverpool. I think last season people were shocked by us and thought we were a one-trick pony and eventually something to catch us out and it was only obviously when we got to the final and some unfortunate circumstances that led to us being caught out than going all the way. And this season, I think even when you just see the draw on TV, then when Liverpool's name is drawn out, the um, the representatives from the from the clubs who were drawn against, they sort of have a little sinking feeling inside because it's oh no it's Liverpool, how do we get past them? Um, so we are feared 
and we're getting that across Europe now. It's it harks back to the old days and um, the performance away in the Allianz reminded me of the Rafa Benitez days when we'd go away in Europe and we'd get the job done. We were only a swift glasses full from Jürgen Klopp into his pocket at the end of a handshake away from being a full Rafa Benitez performance, really. I like that one. I do like that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, and Jamie, you know, the, as we've spoken here, I, I know this is obviously a, a Liverpool podcast and uh, we, we are Liverpool fans um, coming it from that perspective, but you see that... As as you've mentioned, you know, that this will be a different tie to to what it was last season. Uh, Liverpool are, are a slightly different team to to the one that took on Porto last year. Very much gung ho, as as Jay said. You know, Liverpool were very very much gung ho, all out attack. This year they've changed the focus a lot, uh, and it's more about a solid defence and a functional midfield and the attack. You know, when when it flourishes, it flourishes. But it is it is a different Liverpool team. It's, it's it's a more mature Liverpool team. So, but what can they expect from Porto in terms of the tactics and, and the way they've set up? Uh, yeah, well, it's it's going to be a, a different dynamic, obviously, as we've said with the first leg being at home this time around. Um, I think um, to their cost, ultimately, Porto were a bit more willing to attack at home uh, last season. Uh, you know, and try and be on the front foot as as the home team, and then you know, obviously got got caught out on many an occasion. Um, this time around, I think they'll, I think they will go pretty defensive, uh, which is not really a, a massive strong suit of the team, I'd say. Even though they do have strong defenders, um, they are going to be a little bit restricted by some key absences. Uh, there's been talk about going three at the back um, to try and um, placate that because there's uh, there's a couple of uh, players missing, most notably Pepe and possibly left back Alex Tellez, which is a huge blow. Um, and if they were to try that, then that's it's three at the back is is very risky because the, the the team is not familiar with it at all. They 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 never play the system. Um, and it could, you know, it, it could invite all kinds of pressure. Um, so it'd be interesting, you know, uh, there's one thing that, uh, you know, the manager, his teams have always very disciplined, which will obviously be the name, the name of the game, um, for the match at Anfield. But, uh, yeah, I have a feeling it's, they're, they're, they're going to be very defensive and, and try and, you know, just, Try and avoid defeat, really. See what they can get on the counter, but um, I imagine they could, you know, they could play very deep on the night. So, so what about uh, uh, just firstly, actually, uh, before I mention uh, anything uh, about the Roma game, uh, as a as a Liverpool fan, I've I've honestly got to say that uh, if Ben if uh, Benfica if Porto do line up with with three at the back, I'd be quite happy about that. As I think mm. we've seen that the as we record this the, the weekend past mm. when Spurs line, uh, played for the first half with a, a back three, and any teams come up against Liverpool with a back three, that just seem to enjoy that, and it seems to uh, allow space in the wide areas, and it really seems to suit Liverpool's attack coming up against the back three. So I certainly. Uh, don't think that would be too good an idea, and especially if they're not suited to it and they're not familiar mm. with it. But, but what what about in in them uh, two games against Roma then? Because the home tie, 
in the second leg, you know, beating Roma 3-1 in extra time. What about the approach in that game? Was Do you think that was influenced slightly differently by the result of the first leg? Uh, yes, I do. I, I think so. And uh, and I think um, generally uh, in terms of the quality and that they're up against and how the first leg went, because I don't think, um, although Porto were, you know, were far from their best in the first leg, uh, and there was a, an element of fortune about getting a, a, a late away goal, um, you know, I don't think there was anything, you know, Roma didn't overpower them by any means. And, you know, I think there was a sense that, you know, sometimes in those situations, you know, as, as we've seen with Liverpool and many other teams, it can kind of help you if you've got that clear, clearer notion um, to go for, knowing that, in, you know, knowing that a, a draw or any kind of defeat isn't good enough, knowing that you have to win, uh, you know, narrowing your options, um, so to speak. I think Porto are sort of a bit more comfortable to play something closer to their natural game, uh, which is to, which is to attack and to press um, quite high up the pitch. So that's another concern whether they'll be able to, you know, impose that upon Liverpool because I have my doubts that they're going to be able to do that, and and that's primarily due to the to the absences because. They're uh, going to be without the captain Herrera as well, which is a, a big blow. Um, and yeah, I think the, the the notion of three at the back really depends on the fitness of Tellers because Tellers just picked up an injury um, last weekend, and that's that's really going to determine whether they whether they try this three at the back. I think so. Um, as you say, I think I think the overall problem with with the three at the back is is the lack of familiarity more than anything else. Um, yes, so I, it, it'll be difficult to see them playing with the you know there was a little bit more freedom when they played against Roma uh, in the, in the second leg in particular. So it's it's going to be difficult to to get that uh, that sense of flexibility and you know whether how relaxed they can be within their game but uh yeah very much dependent on on Tellez's injury i think uh and we mentioned like recent form so domestically porto doing very well yeah uh i mean they they did uh, you know they they tend to have a bit of a habit of reacting well to to sort of quite significant defeats because uh, they lost a big match against uh, Benfica uh, about six weeks or so ago now, um, which really sort of swung the, the title um, favouritism in, in Benfica's favour. But it's really neck and neck at the moment. It's you know, it's any drop points could be could be uh, fatal at, at this point. But no, Porto are doing very well. Got really. Uh, Hugely important win at the weekend against Braga, um, who have also been challenging and um, for the title, um, and have been having a great season. Uh, and they just made the the, the the domestic cup final, the more prestigious and you know their, their version of the FA Cup final, Tassa, um, last night again beating Braga um, on aggregate. So. Uh, and, and they've also got a, you know, a big derby, big local derby, uh, this weekend against Bervista. So, which they will be expected to win. So if, if they can win there, um, 
then momentum-wise, you know, it couldn't be too much better, really, um, going into the game. It's just, uh, from their point of view, it would just be a shame that, similar to last year, that they could really be hamstrung by some of these some of these absences that they've got. But um, a lot of players are hitting form at the moment. Yeah, so, as you mentioned, you know, a good European campaign, um, confidence quite high coming into the game. So it, it's... Um, on, on the on the face of it, it certainly looks like it it, it could be quite a tie and, and very different, as we said, you know, from from last season. Then, uh, given that though, who who do you think would be the key players if Porto were to to come into this first leg and try and do, you know, a tactical game, so to speak, on Liverpool and and keep it tight and set things up for the second leg? Who who do you think could be the key players for for Porto? Uh, well, I think the number one. Key player um, for for Porto, including what happened last year when when he was absent, and and everything that's going on this year is is Danilo, um, their defensive midfielder. Um, he's arguably, I think, I think he's possibly their best player overall. Um, absolutely essential to the way the team plays. One of these players who who never seems to have a bad game. Incredibly consistent. Um, and as I say, his absence was hugely felt last season. Um, you know, that, that role of, of defensive midfielder was, as soon as he was, uh, announced as an injury, um, absentee for that first leg last year, I think a lot of Porto belief was, was sapped because he's, he's that important, especially against a team that attacks so well, like Liverpool. Um, and as we've been saying, you know, the, the it seems like the, the tactic for the first leg coming up will be largely defensive, being at Anfield, trying, you know, take a good result back to Portugal. And he's going to be absolutely essential, um, to, to the performance and, you know, linking, uh, protecting that the back four, um, or, or back five, depending on how they go. Um, yeah, he's an absolutely outstanding player. Um, quite surprised. Not many teams have been in for him, really. Um, but uh, and in attack, uh, I would say uh, Musa Morega is is incredibly important, uh, speci- uh, particularly for um, a counter-attacking style. It offers incredible energy. His performance in the second leg against Roma was, I think, one of the best in the competition this season. Just a complete non-stop, you know, running the channels, pressurizing the opposition. Uh, and he can finish too. He's got excellent goal record in the Champions League in particular. Real physical presence as well. Um, whether he's, you know, whether he's going to have the, the support and attack, uh, required, I'm not sure, but I, I'd, uh, I'd identify Danilo and, and, and Marego as, uh, as, as the, the ones to watch really. Uh, which, if, when he likes to pull wide, which side of the pitch does he like to pull to just out of interest? Um, Marega's def- definitely best on the right, uh, right-hand side. Um, they uh, last season they haven't done it so much this season, but last season uh, the manager used to, particularly away from home in Europe, like playing four-three-three, um, using him as as a winger rather than a central striker. Which they usually he's usually paired with another striker in a four-four-two. That's usually their their, their preferred setup. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, because he's, you know, he's got 
incredible energy and, and stamina and, and physical strength. Uh, he, he can be effective, uh, you know, on, in, a, in a role where he's asked to do a lot more, a lot more running rather than hold the ball up. So um, it's a big facet to his game. Um, he can lead the line alone as well. So in, in, in that sense, there's a lot of options available to the manager in, in attack. Uh, and they've got a lot of good wingers, uh, natural wingers in form at the moment as well. So, um, that versatility he's got could be, could be important. But, um, yeah, if, if they're going very defensive, then, uh, you know, we might not, we might not see so much of that, to be honest. No, and if he's from that side of the pitch, uh, it, it's, it's more likely he's going to be coming up against Virgil van Dijk rather than looking to, to get behind Joel Matip. So I, I don't know whether he may be fancy yeah, maybe having a trot across the other side of the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a final point then, because if we are to assume that Porto are going to look to to be quite defensive and um, you know trying to contain Liverpool as much as they can in this first leg, yeah, you know, like we said, you know to to hopefully take to take something back in that second leg and. Liverpool, we'd assume, then are going to have a lot of the ball, and the onus is going to be on them to attack and to break Porto down. So, just just how how um, explosive can Porto be on the counter attack? Uh, they can be, uh, yeah, very um, very dangerous on the counter attack for sure. Um, you know, they've got uh, wingers with with pace and skill. Um, uh, Jesus Corona and uh, Otavio are two um, players who are in good form at the, uh, at the moment, particularly Corona. Um, so keeping him fit will be vital if they want to go for a bit more of a attack-minded uh, uh, philosophy. But um, the other area as well to what to watch out for for Porto for sure is is set pieces because they're quite in some areas they're quite a big side. They, I think they do score quite a few goals from set pieces. Um, you know, I think that they're well suited to a number of different styles and areas but um, yeah I think the, ca- the counter and set pieces I think are, are two to, to watch out for but uh, as I say it, it, it could be a, it could be a tricky prospect mustering those up if, uh, if Liverpool were in, in the mood I think yeah it's, it's going to be an intriguing one uh, Jay coming across to yourself then um, having, having heard that how, how do you expect Liverpool to to approach this tie and how do you expect them to line up? I expect us to go with the usual 4-3-3. Obviously, we're missing Andy Robertson for the first leg through a silly suspension that he got in uh, the Allianz. So, more than likely, we'll see James Milner at left-back. I don't think um, Moreno's even close to squad contention at the moment in time. So, um, obviously, the Back four will be the usual three of Trent, Matip, Van Dijk and Milner. And then obviously we've got decisions to make in midfield. Um, I think obviously Fabinho is probably a shoo-in um, for such a tie. He's, he's probably is our best central midfielder um, that we have at the moment. And then it's who goes with him. So given the fact Milner will be shunted to left back, I, I expect to see Wijnaldum and Henderson in the midfield, and then the front three. Um, given it's such a, a big tie, I can't see him given the faith and trust in Shaqiri or Keita, um 
because we don't seem to have seen them much as of late. He seems to be operating with around about 13 to 14 players at the moment. Um, so I, I think that's what how we'll line up. And then I fully expect us for the home tie to, to go up Porto and with the intention of trying to get the tie as close to wrapped up as we can in the first leg, given obviously our position in the league and the importance of games coming up. Um, if we can take a healthy lead into the second leg like we did last year, um, albeit we are going away from home, so it will be a different pos- proposition, it would benefit us long-term going into the league um, with the potential to possibly rest one or two players. So I expect us to go with that lineup. Um Quickly scanning over uh, Porto, as of late, the, I don't know if it's something they've got going on at the back, but the last few games they have been letting the odd goal slip in, so maybe there is some defensive frailties that we could we could pick up on. Um, and I think, as Jamie mentioned, they are missing one or two players themselves, so it could obviously work in both ways, the, uh, the advantage of missing players. So it'll be interesting to see how they approach us at Anfield, first of all, but I think a European night, uh, the crowd just get the better atmosphere and I don't think the team can help themselves, but go on, Porto. Yeah, and just, I mean, obviously, I know, obviously we, we expect the owners to be on Liverpool to, to go and do it, but you, you have you do have to be mindful of losing possession at times and you are going to be uh, counter-attacked. It's obviously, it is going to happen. It's a reality. Uh, and bearing in mind what Jamie's mentioned with Morega and the fact that, as you said, you know, Andy Robertson's not there. So if it's James Milner at left-back, he's not as defensively aware. He's not as quick and recovering the ground, obviously, as Andy Robertson. So I think there's there's a lot there for to, a lot on the shoulders of Virgil van Dijk to ensure that he covers both them positions uh, you know, sweeping up, and and does that in also then put uh, extra importance on on the fact that Fabinho has to start this game as well? It won't be a problem for Van Dijk. We all know that. Um, look at what he did on Sunday. <laughs> he pocketed two attackers like it was nobody's business. Uh, it, it is obviously an area of of slight concern. Um, we all know Milner doesn't offer half as much as what Robertson does, but what he does offer is he will give it his all probably for about 65, 70 minutes until his legs start to run out. But he's got Van Dijk next to him and he'll sweep across no ends. Um, I think Genie Wijnaldum will probably be tasked with the left-hand side of the midfield just to help out with uh, James Milner. And J- Jordan Henderson will probably be positioned towards the right hand and then Fabinho in the middle. And we know Fabinho just senses danger and sweeps up anyway so I wouldn't be overly concerned but it, obviously it's not a position of comfort that left hand side for us um, but I've, I feel quietly confident in the fact that we'll we'll do the business at home and if we were to miss Robertson for any leg I would prefer it to be the home and that's how it's felt Yeah that's that's very true I, I felt exactly the same in terms of um, in the last round with Virgil van Dijk missing if any, if it was going to be any, be the first leg at home uh, rather than second leg going away. Um, what about up front then? Because Sadio Mane is is the guy in form. He's been banging the goals and he's been playing superbly for Liverpool for the, what the past couple of months. You know, he's he is the go-to guy at the moment. Um, but 
but Mo Salah looks like he's desperate for a goal. Do you, do you think this could be where his his um, his goal scoring form comes back to him? I honestly do. I honestly think I think I've mentioned it on the fantasy football pod last week. We'll be discussing Salah within our teams. He needs something to go in off his backside, and he just needed a goal that was a bit scruffy. And by all means, the goal on Sunday was an own goal, but he was the the main architect for the fact that it was his head the back across goal, whether he was aiming for Mane on the following or whether he was actually trying to score himself. Uh, and it, it will give him huge confidence. Obviously, it was not officially his goal, but he was hugely involved in it. And he just needs to relax a little um, because it will come. And we all know he's got the quality and the the, the talent to go on a run. And I think it Southampton away from home on Friday is potentially an option where Salah might get one or two goals and his confidence to be flying. And obviously, as, as again mentioned, the, the crowd on a European night just seems to get an extra 5% out of all the players. So that could be also a, a deciding factor in just edging them on a little bit more. Switching over to the other side, we've got uh, Mane, who has been our go-to guy. And he has been on a hot streak of form for club and country. Um, I wouldn't say anything more about Firmino than he's always there and without him with a with a different proposition up top so the threat of goals from Firmino is obviously always there and together when them from three play and when they all click it's something that hasn't really happened too much this season where all three of them have looked electric it always tends to be one of three um, but if they can click fire for the next half a dozen games or so in the Egan Champions League then it stands in good stead. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's at that crucial stage of the season where big players come to the fore and they stand up to be counted and there's none bigger than our front three, really. Fair dues. Uh, it's time to wrap things up. So, uh, Jake, you, you said you were feeling confident. Um, what What's your prediction then for this first leg? I would like a 3-0 victory. Um, I don't want much, to be honest. Uh, but a clean sheet, I think, is vital. We don't want to give... Porto, anything to take back um, to Portugal. Um, and if we can get a few goals under our belts, um, that'll be more than satisfying to maybe give us a chance of being maybe one foot into the next round and potential to maybe switch up a couple of players within the squad because the games do come on back-to-back weeks. Um, so I'm sure if we take over a, a clean sheet and a few goals in the bag, it'll please myself and um, I do have a Benfica friend who also would be very happy if we take that result over there too. <laughs> and Jamie, coming across to yourself, um, how do you expect this uh, this first leg to go then? Uh, pretty similar, to be honest. Um, I think it's uh, I think Liverpool are just going to be just too just too strong. Uh, as a, as I was sort of alluding to, I hope. I just hope Porto can give a better account of themselves um, in the tie as a whole. Um, but yeah, the prospect of going to Anfield, uh, it, it's going to be immensely difficult, I think. Um, uh, I worry about how defensive they might have to go. So it's, I think it's difficult to see Porto scoring, to be honest. So I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be pretty comfortable uh, two or three goal victory, to be, to be honest. Yeah, but but you don't you don't think there's going to be that naivety to uh, their attacking play that there was 
uh, last year where they left themselves wide open? No, I don't think so. As as you say, I think uh, I think the manager, you know, it's the same manager, um, Sergio Conceição. He he should have, you know, taken big lessons from uh, from last year's tie. And um, you know, there's a lot of old heads in there, good, a lot of experienced players, or people, you know, Pepe suspended for that first leg, but you know, you've got someone like Casillas, who's obviously one of the best ever Champions League players, and. You know, I think he he'll be a good influence, and he's you know played in difficult nights at Anfield before, and might be able to you know help settle the team. But um, I think Liverpool are going to have a bit too much on the night, and and the tie as a whole, really. Yeah. So there you have it, uh, Reds. It's it's an intriguing first leg to look forward to. Um, understandably, Liverpool fans feeling very confident, uh, but you cannot underestimate a team like Porto, given. Uh, their pedigree and their form and what they did to Roma. So uh, it looks like it could be a good night for Liverpool, but we cannot take anything for granted whatsoever. So my thanks to Jay, my thanks to Jamie for for what looks like it's going to be an intriguing an intriguing night, another U- big European night at Anfield, uh, quarterfinal of the Champions League. We'll be back to preview the second leg in Portugal and... Uh, who knows? Hopefully we'll be talking about comfortable win for Liverpool. Uh, much the same as last season, but um I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, hold my breath too much uh, the way everything's going at the moment. Uh, they do seem to like to put us through the ringer. But anyway, from myself, Andy Wales, from Jay, from Jamie, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye bye now. Network.